Welcome in everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in our podcast at Burnt Orange Nation. And you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over BurnOrangeNation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere. We find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod on Twitter. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Longhorn Republic on both of those. So Facebook and Instagram now, uh, Longhorn Republic. And again, we'd love to have you interact with us on any of those places. Well, my name is Gerald Goodrich. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who's just glad to be talking about anything fun. Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Uh, yeah, it's uh, th- th- sports are fun. Let's stick with that. Um, I will indeed stick to sports tonight on this podcast. Let's keep it uh, keep it in the realm of goodness, Gerald. The country is crazy, but UT is also crazy right now. It's been a crazy week Crazy start to 2021 all around. Uh, we talked about a lot on our Tuesday podcast, and uh, there's there's still still a good chunk out here uh, on this one. So I'm 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 excited. It's a big week, big start to 2021. If every week is like this, Gerald, we will we will both be completely gray by the end of it. You know, I'm, I'm finding more and more gray hairs in my beard by the day. Uh, father time is rapidly, rapidly approaching me, and it's really quite terrifying. But uh, we're here to talk about stuff that doesn't matter because, well, that's what we need to do. So, Kyle, um, we've got Mike Roach on today to talk about some recruiting and the coaching changes. If you're not following Mike on Twitter, like that dude is is prolific with his with his uh, content production so uh, Mike is going to come on to talk about the coaching changes he's had a lot of scoops on that he's also going to talk about the coaching changes and the impact on recruiting Texas uh, on Tuesday uh, held off it was actually a tighter game than we anticipated held off Iowa State at home and then we'll jump into the burnt orange lenses and we will uh, close it out with Kyle's favorite segment of the week the Godzilla Tron so somehow he Managed to take a break from the what feels like 73 articles he is putting out every day. They're all great articles, but the man is just an absolute content machine. But he decided to take a break or was gracious enough to take a break and, and join us today. So Mike Roach of Horns247 is on with us today to talk a little bit of coaching changes and the impact on recruiting. And obviously because it's Mike, the man who inspired the Godzilla Tron segment, we'll have to figure out uh, what Mike is watching currently. So Mike, how are you doing today, man? I'm good, fellas. You know, it's been a busy week for me when you reach. Usually when you guys reach out and say, can you do it? Whatever date. I'm like, yeah, sure. That works. When I say, I don't know. Let me check. Uh, let me get back <laughs> to you. Uh, you know, that means it's a busy week, but glad I could fit you guys in as always. And uh, yeah, ready to talk about some uh, some good stuff. I took no personal it, it, offense because, again, we we hated to bump you down the uh, the the Mount Rushmore when Sam Acho came on as the most uh, famous. But you certainly are the most frequent, and, and and no offense to Sam, but because of your ability to come on here so much, you you are you're the best. You're the best third host of this podcast. So I took no offense, but I did I did immediately say, man, I should send that guy like cookies or something. I I know it's a, it's it's a a sleepless and uh, tireless week. I'm sure. Yeah, it's insane. I don't <laughs> want to do this anymore. Let me tell you, I'm a recruiting guy. Okay. And in my capacity, I talk to a lot of people. I have a lot of contacts in the coaching industry. They hear things. I hear things from them. And that's how I'm able to break news. But I told Chip Brown the other day, I don't want to do this coaching stuff anymore. It's stressful. It's tiring. You can answer a billion questions about it. And if you don't answer question a billion and one, <laughs> people are like, well, you don't know anything. And <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm happy to get us through this part, but this is, uh, I know people who love covering these coaching searches. I am not one of them. Get me back to, uh, high school football. I wish the all American bowl was this week <laughs> and I could just nerd out uh, in San Antonio. Now that's, that's what I, it's been a wild, wild week so far. You know, I, I said in, in the BON chat that we're getting an off season with both a coaching search and a quarterback battle. So it's going to be one of those off seasons where just things are messy and ridiculous, but it's what we signed up for, I guess. The takes are going to fly this year. Oh my God. I can't <laughs> wait. Um, and, and that's when I'm going to bat when the quarterback battle happens, actually, as soon as we put this coaching staff to bed, you won't hear me talk about team stuff anymore. I'll be back to recruiting only. And um, you know, we'll see how it goes. 
so let's let's just focus on that the stuff that you love interacting with the players and recruiting stuff so uh you know you've you've been in contact with numerous players and, and the high school coaches that you're, you're connected with for the recruiting stuff. So just like, you know, we all have our opinions, we all have our thoughts, but you know, the, the players and the, the kind of, I guess the important people that you've been interacting with, like what's, what's the buzz, what's the talk, what, what are the feelings about the changes uh, from the, from the process, from the recruits and from the, the coaches that are, that are mentoring them. It's so weird. Cause it varies from person to person. Um, just a general comment about fans in a coaching search that that makes me laugh before we get into that. The guys who I don't understand the person and I want to crawl inside their head and figure out what makes them tick, but I don't understand the person that screams all year on a message board to fire a coach and then gets mad when you start firing several assistants and then like you may lose a recruit because of it. And I'm like, look, man, you wanted the massacre. Yep. This is the massacre. And there's yep. a lot that comes with it. You know? Yeah. You're, you're going to lose some recruits. You're going to lose some players on the team. All those things are part of the territory. I just, that guy fascinates me to death. Um, as far as talking to the players and stuff, you know, it's, uh, it's hard because and maybe these are just thoughts I have in my own head, but um, there's guys who I know for a fact, like just don't want to pick Texas. And part of it was because of Tom Herman. And yet when I talked to him, it's like, Oh man, it sucks. Coach Herman got let go. Um, and I'm like, dude, you have Texas like seventh out of your 10 um, because you don't like Herman. And you've told me that like a million times. And so like, why is that your reaction? I, I you know, he's gone. So it doesn't matter what I print. Like it's not going to hurt his feelings or anything. Um, you know, so I don't know if they're, if they just feel that way or if they're just trying to, if that's the way they talk to the media. Uh, you know, there's a lot of optimism, I think, and a lot of it's wait and see type stuff because Sark's not a guy that, um, you know, if you hire Urban Meyer and, and everybody says, oh, wow, Urban Meyer, Sark is a guy that they know his name. He's certainly been a coach around. Um, hey, he like like Kay Klibnick told me, don't know the guy at all, but that Bama offense <laughs> seems pretty good. Um, you know, I think uh, I think they know the reputation more than anything, but it's a lot of wait and see. It, it, you got to realize recruits become more drawn to the assistants yeah. than they do the head man. Um, yeah. And so really that's the biggest question I'm getting is who's going to coach this position, who's going to be recruiting me at this position. So, um, you know, th that's what I'm getting from the coaches and, and trainers and things like that. It's um, I've heard mostly positive reviews. I think, <laughs> I think Tom was wearing out his welcome a little bit <laughs> with a lot of those guys. And so um, there is a, a small degree of anybody, but, but uh, there's also a degree of people really do respect Steve Sarkeesian. Yeah. And, and I mean, you're bringing in basically we've heard some rumors on the uh on the staff um but whoever it is we know stan drayton officially uh announced he's going to be staying we know who's a couple guys her hand and others who uh announced they they've left it sounds like uh 247 y'all are reporting kyle flood is is in it uh ol slash ol excuse me oc slash ol um so do you see more of an impact on anything on the 2021 guys um, or is this kind of looking more towards 2022 once they're in place, once the whole staff is there, once you, you know, get an idea what it is um, it, it, I should say, is there any, any between now and the next signing period 21 guys, or do you feel like the bigger impact to that comes 2022? The bigger impact is going to come in 2022, but that means that doesn't mean there won't be an impact to 21. Um, you know, the, probably the biggest news is is LJ Johnson. I mean, the biggest mm -hmm. target still on the board for Texas mm -hmm. at this point is the side fair running back, um, and who has talked to Stan Drayton and Steve Sarkeesian on a, nice. on a Zoom call this week. And nice. um, I think that for him, you know, the crazy thing about LJ is a lot of people thought he was going to A&M for the longest time. And, you know, he camped there a lot. He really does love A&M and Cyprus. If you're familiar with the Cyprus area in Houston is a very pro A&M area. Um, and it's not that far. Like I, uh, from where I live in Fort Worth, my, my path actually, if I drive to Houston, the fastest way to go is to go up 35 into Waco, cut highway six through uh, college station and come in through mm -hmm. that way through the West side of town. Mm -hmm. And I can hit Cypress pretty quickly from, from college station. So I understand why it's like that. Um, but I guess the biggest thing that's always plagued me was if LJ Johnson was going to go to A&M, he's had a lot of time to commit to them. Um, and 
you know, I think he's giving Texas a very, very good chance here. And, and a lot of that is if Stan Drayton was going to stick around. And, it, you know, we've reported he is by all looks of it. You know, he, we, we have no reason to believe he's not. Um, and so I really like still where Texas stands. Despite all the chaos, they, they still have an edge for a top 50 player in the country um, that, you know, I don't know anybody would have bought yeah. six months ago. So yeah. uh, like where they stand there, but yeah, it's mainly going to be a big 22 thing. I mean, it's going to be about getting the staff in place and it seems like forever until we're going to hear anything, right? Like this week is going to be the longest week. It is cool to have your future sure. head coach playing in the national championship sure. game. And you can literally turn on the TV Monday night and go, wow, that's what our offense, hopefully in a few years, once, once he recruits some talent like that is going to look like, but um you know, the week of, of you know, him preparing for it is is certainly something. What's funny is I talked to a Texas commit the other day, or signee the other day, um, who said, well, yeah, I talked to him, but I don't think he really knows who I am. And I go, he doesn't know who you are. Like, he's he just got this job. He's preparing for a national championship game. He, he has no clue who you are. Like, just he called because somebody said, hey, you need to call this person and say hi. Like I said, I, I you know, I was like, I get that. To you, you want him to know who you are, but I'm just telling you, like he's got a lot going on. So just uh, let him get through the week, and then I'm sure he'll figure things out with you. I think it, I think it was something you posted that it was like he's doing his normal game week prep, and then any any margins is doing Texas stuff, and so it's crazy to think that uh, there's any room to make phone calls, but. Apparently he does have room. So I'm sure Nick Saban builds in a lot of free time to the schedule. Uh, yeah. You know, just just take a just take a nice hour break. That's the funny part. So like uh, we've also kind of pretty much reported that AJ Milwee, who was uh, uh, an analyst at Alabama and, and was expected to take the Arkansas State offense coordinator job, is expected to be the quarterback coach at Texas, and he is. Uh, one of Sark's right hand guys. Well, when I was calling around, I have a contact at Alabama and. Basically, I like asked about it and he was like, yeah, I mean, he's like, but guys aren't talking about it this week. And he goes, and the reason why he goes is last time, uh, last time a, a coordinator got hired away was when Mike Loxley was, was hired away from, from Alabama. And he spent the interim amount of time between being hired in the championship game, interviewing coaches and doing all this stuff. And they got beat 44 to 16. So Saban has made it very clear that this time around, he just, Hey, if we can get everybody to lock in for the week, you know, that's all we need. So uh, it is funny. They're kind of tiptoeing around the facility there at Bama on Tuesday, clean out your office. But until then, you're mine. I love it. And I, that's probably why we get all the Sark after dark tweets where it's, where it's just like, uh, it's 10, <laughs> it's 10 o'clock in, uh, in Alabama. So let me go ahead and tweet something. Cause nobody expects me to be analyzing film at this point. He's like us. He's, he goes to bed. He's like, before I go to sleep, let me just scroll through Twitter and see what's going on. <laughs> Except he's here he, first. He's going to learn it just like exactly. Us. And he's going to learn And this. No, no, no different than being in Alabama, but, but it is the tweet that launched a thousand takes, right? If you say anything, every word will be dissected every hashtag which by the way i'm on record i don't know where you stand mike but hashtag all gas no breaks is my favorite texas hashtag texas related saying in 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 the better part of a decade i'm I'm absolutely here for it but uh people will dissect every letter every vowel every symbol used in these tweets i'm sure okay so i do like it a lot but i got i got tired of this is texas i did um so I'll get, what's funny about that is Richard Barrett, who is the head coach at Kennedale High School, he's J.D. Coffey's head coach, but I've known Coach Barrett for a long time. And he's an old guy. Like, he's a throwback, just grizzled high school football coach. He's done it for 42 years. I mean, he is a veteran in the game. But, like, you know how, like, your grandpa texts you or something? And so I guess the that's the only way I can explain it. Like your grandpa texting you and you kind of look at your phone weird. So every time I text coach Barrett and I'll say, Hey coach, you know, can I come out and see you guys today? Yeah. Mike, you've already just got an open invitation, all that kind of stuff. When we sign off, he always texts all gas, no breaks. Um, and he's done that <laughs> as long as I've known him. Um, and he, te- he texts it all in one letter, all, like all in one, like it's a hashtag. Uh, and so texted me the other night with a screenshot of Sark's first tweet. And he goes, is this you tweeting all gas, no breaks or, or coach Sarkeesian? And I was like, that's Sark. And he goes, that's my kind of guy. <laughs> I was like, all right, coach. So you can count JD coffee locked and loaded in the class because his high school coach is simpatico. He's going from hashtag to hashtag. You heard it here first folks. The, the Kennendale pipeline continues. 
love yeah, it. Absolutely. <laughs> so, um, with that, you know, this group is going to have to hit the ground running. You know, where they'll be a couple of weeks out from February signing day, and then you know, twenty two. A lot of a lot of the the track is already laid for it. So like, where do you see them focusing on first to kind of put together a 2022 class? It's been in a holding pattern for the better part of a year. Part of me thinks somebody's going to build a, a cabin in the parking lot at South Lake high school um, and do everything they can to get Quinn Ewers back. I mean, look, if you're Steve Sarkeesian and you've got the quarterback rep that you do, and you've got the Alabama offense in your pocket and all those things. And you can, I mean, they've got to try. I don't know that it's going to be successful, but they got to try to get back in with Quinn Ewers and see if they can flip him back. Uh, that would be interesting because I've got a rule about three commitment guys. They usually don't work out and that would make Quinn a, a three commitment guy. Um, I think that we're going to see this staff. I, well, I really want to see how the rest of the staff plays out because I think if you get a guy like Tosh Lapoy. Um, you can really go national. And and I think that's the big thing. Now, Texas, regardless, has to win the state. Got to do that first. But, um, you know, the days of being able to build a team completely from Texas that could compete for a national championship are over. Um, you could do that back in the day in 2005, mainly because a lot of those other teams didn't recruit nationally that well. Um, you know, only the, the few elites did. So now that everybody's recruiting nationally, um, I think that Texas is going to have to go there a little bit. Um, the board is in place for the most part, but those coaches are going to have to decide who they like on the board. New offers are going to have to go out. Re-offers are going to have to go out. It'll take a little bit to get going, but I think they're probably going to keep the, the support staff in place, um, which should help ease the transition. See, I'm glad that we got a pronunciation on, on Tosh Lapoy because I would have been dreading that for the better part of a week and a half now. I've got um, the great Brandon Huffman, who is our uh, Pacific Northwest guy. He, he lives in Seattle. He's a national recruiting analyst, lives in Seattle, though. Has covered Sarkeesian for a while, knows Tosh pretty well, um, and uh, was on our podcast today. And so he said it to me today, and, and I was like, okay, good. I think I always say it Lupoy, like a real white guy. Um, like, and, you know, the, uh, the great thing about Huffman is he's around so many Polynesian guys. Like, he'll just nail pronunciations at, like, the hardest. He'll, he'll, like, switch into an accent. So I can't do the accent, but I can at least get the pronunciation right when he gives it to me. We'll, we'll take it. I'm excited for Texas's pipeline of Polynesians. Gerald is a, is a noted uh, – he, he forgives the play, I'll say, of, of the Texas Polynesians and celebrates every good play they make. We've got a couple – Good ones on the line in Vahe and uh, in in Angulao, um, uh, who who will see you know the, where he goes. But I'm excited if we can we can actually. Do you think that can be a strategy for Stark that he makes work? He has California ties. He's got you know with Washington and and USC both has brought you know some Polynesian players in. He obviously has coached SEC East Coast Alabama um, and now finds himself in the middle of the country in Texas for a long time. We've said you have to appease the Texas high school football coaches, but you and and, and not just appease but but get the best out of the state but we've had some success with arizona talents you know a couple from there in the past few years unfortunately didn't work out with gabriel floyd or brew mccoy but we've got some big talents out of california do you see that as as the sark footprint because of his journey and tenure that that you will make texas truly national and some of the guys rumored to be on the staff that that will be how they how they look and, and and not just you know every once in a while but that will really be the brand yeah, I think he definitely goes west. Um, I mean, Texas is already pretty, like you said, pretty active in, in Arizona, pretty active in, in California. Um, they're probably going to get into the Pacific Northwest a little more, although it's not as fertile as the other two. Uh, but, yeah, I think we're going to see a, an influx of Polynesian players, um, especially if Tosh is on staff. Um because they just, I mean, that's the type of guys they've recruited. It'll be interesting to see the staff come together, and, and that's really the biggest part. I told Jeff Howe the other day, I said, look, here's the deal. I don't think this job is as hard as we make it out to be, right? What do we say all the time? Like the Texas head coaching job is the hardest job in college sports. Is it really? Or is it the last two guys have just made it look that way? Um, and, and I think if you, you know, it, let me ask you this. Had Charlie Strong come in and, and when Charlie Strong was hired, um, Lincoln Riley was rumored as one of the first um, offensive coordinator guys. If Lincoln Riley's his offensive coordinator right off the bat, do we think Charlie Strong is as bad as he was? Um, you know, if if Tom Herman doesn't bring the Houston yeah. staff with him plus yeah. Tim Beck, 
um, and, and not build a, a good staff, like a great staff that, that you have the resources to build in Texas, do they struggle? I don't know. I mean, I don't know the answer to it, but I think the question that that's the answer is that, um, you know, it's building the staff and that's what we've seen plague this team year after year is, is the shortcomings of these, these assistants and things like that. And so, yeah, you know, I just I think Sark can do that. I think that's what he wants to do. I'll be interested to see the staff come together. Um, and you know, everybody's a critic on a message board, but uh, I I just don't think this job's that hard. Like, you have all the resources in the world. Go build the right staff. Uh, do your thing at whatever it is you do well, and then and go beat Texas. You go get. You have access to the best athletes in the country. You have access to the most money to pay assistance. You have access to everything you ever want. Like I, it should in theory be the easiest job in the world. I remember again. I don't know if it was you or one of your. I'm a I'm a two four seven guy, but I don't remember if it was you or, or Chip that was talking about. You know, people don't know the recruiting chops of some of these coaches because well, Alabama kind of recruits itself, and then they chimed in. But but when Texas is good, Texas also kind of recruits itself, and so like that's that's a that's a conversation that I think needs to be had about building the staff. Is if you win and you play like Texas, it's not really that hard. That's exactly uh, what a source told me. You know, I, I said, well, hey, tell me about this guy or that guy. He said, well, you know, I could tell you they're good, but look, man, if you're Kyle Flood, it's easy to get offensive linemen to Alabama. Um, but when Texas is right, it's easy to get kids to come to Texas, too. That's the point. Um, and, you know, the other thing that was mentioned to me was a lot of these guys who go work under Saban, they get a great example of what it's like to to see Nick Saban recruit. Nick Saban is relentless in the way he recruits and they see it day in and day out. And um, it rubs off on them. Like a source, a coaching source mentioned to me, he said, notice a lot of guys who go to Bama who aren't good recruiters or they're average recruiters and they come out yeah. great recruiters. Yeah. So, um, you know, they, 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 they learn things while they're there. Like, man, we've seen Texas kind of recruit itself. I mean, Jason Washington was a big 12 recruiter of the year Jason Washington is who I think is a good recruiter. Doesn't have the national reputation of a great recruiter. Uh, Drew Maringer was a was the Big Twelve right. recruiter of the year. Uh, right. You know, Tim Beck was up there even when they got fired. Tim Beck was number one in the Big Twelve. Now I do think Tim Beck is a guy with a great national uh, reputation, but like we've seen examples of where these guys, Brian Jean Murray, uh, when he was under Tom, uh, Charlie Strong, was like recruiter of the year. It does everything when things are going right. It recruits itself to an extent, so you just got to put the guys in place to do it. No, I, I and I, I love that. I'm I'm so curious to see what you talked about. Is is if Texas, if those things that happened under Mac Brown in the new kind of social media area era, the way things are going, if Texas does like when we talk about being back, I think part of it, part of that back is where you literally just you don't have to do much like you're talking about and it, and it is easy. We haven't seen that because it's been a, a pretty dark 10 years for, for Texas for sure. But again, uh, success on the field. will 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 do that. Daryl, are you ready though to quit talking coaching staff to quit talking, you know, future wins, obviously 10 win seasons from here on out, quit talking five-star recruits though. If there's any additional ones we should know about Mike, feel free to sprinkle them in and start talking about the reason that you bring Mike Roach onto the long run Republic podcast. Is that, are you, are you ready for the transition? Always. I don't imagine you've had enough time during the last week to watch anything whatsoever with everything going on. But obviously the holidays, maybe a little downtime there. It, whether it's watching, talking, streaming, reading, doing, what's your, uh, what's your, what's your time spending passion right now? What are you watching? What are you thinking about when it's not football? Uh, what are you consuming? So last time I was on, I told you guys I've been rewatching the challenge on MTV, and I'm almost right. back through the rest of the seasons. Uh, I got like two or three seasons left. Um, so that's been big. My wife and I watch Roseanne because it's all free on Prime. Um, and we like I watched Roseanne growing up, and I thought like my parents loved it, and I thought this show's not that funny. And as an adult, it's hilarious. So um, <laughs> we we've been rewatching Roseanne all the way through, and then. Uh, Recently, like the the past two weeks, I've been obsessed with hockey. Uh, the World Juniors, uh, the the World Junior Champions have been on. And uh, last night, uh, the USA brought home a two nothing win for the gold medal game over Canada uh, in a game in which Canada was favored by like five goals. So uh, anytime it. that can happen, it's a beautiful thing. And getting to watch the, like the next level of stars, I maybe being a high school recruiting guy makes me just love watching eighteen year olds. But um, you know. Being able to watch these guys in this World Junior Tournament 
and then knowing, okay, in a year or two, this guy's going to be one of the best players in the NHL. Um, and I watch a fair amount of hockey during the season. Uh, you know, that's, that's really cool. And then, yeah, uh, hockey regular season starts up in like two weeks. So, uh, getting really excited for that too. Uh, stars are back in a quest for another Stanley cup. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, that's pretty much it. Uh, nothing new, nothing crazy good. Uh, it's just been a lot of work, you know, I think, um, not to go back and touch the work stuff too much, but, uh, I feel like I got a three month break where I just didn't have anything to write about for a long time. And so everybody on our board, Gerald, you might've seen is like, well, Mike's like all over the place. And I'm like, yeah, I, I've got a lot of rest for this. So <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm not going to complain about having things to write about. It's crazy to see how like, it, it's almost not, like you're, you're putting out, like I said, three or four articles a night I, or a day. I, I check them all out because, well, Mike, you just do good work. It's one of the reasons why I reached out to you initially. So, um, if you have if you have any time to tweet about anything other than um, hockey and or recruiting, man, where can people find you if they want to keep up with you? Uh, you can find me at Mike Roach two four seven on Twitter, uh, and that's pretty much it. I don't really do much else, um, but yeah, that's mainly mainly you can find me on Twitter. So again, if you follow him within the next two weeks, you won't see much hockey. But then in two weeks, the hockey tweets will start up. Right? Is that the is that the timeline we're giving? That's what's funny because, uh, yeah, that is the timeline. What's funny is, like, if you're with me during a hockey game, I'm just tweeting GIFs and, like, random things, and I'm, like, losing my mind and uh, and all sorts of things. So, um, like, people always think it means something. Um, they always think, like, oh, they just got big coaching news or something. And it's like, no, I'm just watching hockey, man. Like, uh, <laughs> they just they just missed a wide-open net, and, and I, like, yelled something. So, uh, yeah. At night, I watch hockey. So, uh, but during the day, I do tweet a lot about football. And if I'm at games or seven on seven stuff, you'll get a lot of that. So, before we go, boys, I just ran my numbers for the month. Uh, my goals are to hit like a certain number of articles for the month and a certain number of board posts. Uh, it is the sixth day of the month, and I've already done 170 board posts, which is 68% <laughs> of my goal. So, <laughs> we are off. It says the on pace to meet my goal would be uh, 47 posts, 19%. So, uh, <laughs> we are off to a really good. So you're taking a two-week vacation at the end of January, just going somewhere and uh, and logging off because you're, you're good. You're done. Now we're going to run it up. <laughs> we're going to run the score up. Run up the score. And, again, if you, if you think Texas has followed the coaching staff so closely that Texas has hired Kurt Russell from the movie Miracle, you've, you, we need to take a step back. <laughs> Right, right. That so, yeah, when, I, when I'm posting Kurt Russell, it is 100% talking about USA Hockey um, from one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, so, yeah, yeah. No, I, I like I said, we're going to run it up because uh, I do actually get to renegotiate my contract this year. So we're in a contract year, boys. Contract year roach, y'all. <laughs> Watch out. That's amazing. <laughs> I love it. Well, Mike, man, thank you so much for uh, for taking time out. It was a quick quick turnaround because, well, uh, we wanted to. We when, when Mike says he's free, we make time. So, Mike, thank you so much for uh, for making some time for us and probably what's going to be the busiest couple weeks of your not your whole year, but at least the the this the, this part of the year. I believe it. I, I'm kind of getting the shakes like when I don't get news every hour. Like if a text, if source doesn't text me within an hour, I'm like, all right, something's happening and I don't know about it. And it's starting to worry me. So yeah, we'll see. Well, I got to wean myself off of this coaching thing. What you guys don't see is Mike has checked his phone 93 times in the, in the 30 minutes we've had him. Yeah. I've had a few texts come in, so uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Awesome. Thanks, Mike. All right, fellas. Thanks. Coming off of the big win against the Kansas Jayhawks, number four, Texas, newly minted number four Texas, took on Iowa State at home. And Iowa State did not go gently into that cornfield. Uh, but Texas managed to stay on top 78 to 72. They they started slow and it kind of it seemed like there was, may have been a little bit of a uh, a little bit of a hangover. They may have been a little bit uh, too high for the game before. And so sometimes you get too high for the game before. There's a little bit of a letdown. But they did what good teams do in those situations, and they both literally and metaphorically rebounded and managed to come out on top. They uh, used a big second half to do it, uh, but but really, the story of the night was was AJ one was Andrew Jones who set a career high of um, twenty three points on a ten of twenty uh, shooting night, and he played thirty seven minutes, which is nuts, and and. You know, 
again, Andrew Jones is what three years removed from leukemia and people wondering if he's ever going to play basketball again to he's starting to look like maybe not all the way, the old AJ one, but he's starting to look like the dude again. Oh yeah. And, and, and I mean, it's, it's dangerous because Texas has multiple dudes, but if, if you're being led by this kind of apex form, he's averaging over 20 points in the, in this kind of three game big 12 winning streak. Um, so if, if that's going to be the guy who shows up, um, man, that's, that's really good when you think about the rest of the talent, uh, that, that find, you know, you find around him. So I think him being the, the, the leader and, and, and to take nothing away from the other two guards who both have their moments and have taken over games. And in fact, at various points, uh, had something to say in this one, um, Andrew Jones right now being at the top is, is great. And, and it allows when he does that, it allows, uh, players like Greg Brown to not have quite so much pressure on him to just do what they do best and not have to feel like that, you know, they have to be the man at the, or he doesn't have to be the man at this point in his career. So yeah, I, I'm, I am always rooting for Andrew Jones. The, one of the best stories in the history of Texas sports, regardless, right? Just where he was, but every week it seems like he's adding a new chapter and a new uh, depth to my love for him. I, I remember saying on this podcast, like you and I will shed tears the, the moment that guy walks back onto the court for the first time, and I, I and we I, did. I'll be honest with you, I did not. <laughs> We did. We both did. I'm a crier, though. So, like, that's, I, you know, I, I cry at movies. And my kid said something super sweet to me today, and I cried. Like, it was a whole thing. But, like, we shed real man tears, a real tear, like, man tears, whatever. We shed tears when Andrew Jones made his way back. And I'll be honest with you. Like you said, I never thought we'd see that, like, yeah. apex predator, Andrew Jones. And that guy had the look against Iowa State. He had the look. He was... Just everything we anticipated him being uh, and more. Now, we can't overlook the the rest of the squad. GB3, uh, it wasn't his strongest day, at least on the court, but he had a, he put a great stat line up, but he had uh, some struggles here and there. Uh, 15 and 8, uh, a steal and a block. Uh, Matt Coleman, ice water in his veins. That dude mm-hmm. is a just, and don't say I'm, I'm comparing him talent-wise or longevity-wise, but I remember anytime Tim Duncan hit a big shot, he just got back on defense, and that's Matt Coleman. I love that. He's just like, yeah, I did just hit the dagger, but I got some defense to play, and I love that about Matt Coleman. Jericho Sims, 10-8, and eight. Uh, and really the, the big story for him is, is on the defensive end, uh, kind of keeping Solomon Young in check. Kai Jones, 7-9, and nine. and Texas, man, out-rebounded them by 12 rebounds, 43 to 31. Mm-hmm. So Texas was kind of like the the box score doesn't necessarily indicate how well Texas played in this game. Well, and 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 how well they played maybe outside of expectation. Look, they, there's some tough tough games coming up on the horizon. If there was ever a game after beating Kansas on the road, how historic that was to have a letdown game, and it, and it looked like in the beginning of, of this one, they just looked like they they were sloppy, they were tired. Um, it didn't look like they had their their a stuff. And honestly, look, their 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 defense was maybe c stuff tonight. This was not the Texas team that we saw shut Kansas down and spent a lot of time waxing poetic about their offense. Maybe hit a b b plus at its best. This was not Texas's a game. But again, win when it's not your a game. Iowa State is a team that gave Baylor trouble uh, in in his previous game. They are way better than their record looks, and they're gonna they're gonna take a skull or two. The Big 12 is just that good. They're, they're going to they're gonna have a scalp before this season is done on a big team. I'm I, predicting it here, but um, they uh, this felt like a game in years past that Texas wouldn't have wouldn't have been able to pull out. You would have had that that real hangover. You know, you've been ecstatic about that. I appreciate Saka Smart said after the game and, and uh, the, the Kansas game, he said, you know, I went in the locker room and I talked to the guys, is this going to be the best part of your season? Is this what you're going to be remembering and celebrating? Is this going to be the high point? Learn from it, enjoy it, move on keep going forward and we'll have bigger things to celebrate. That's the mentality that we have needed for a long time. And I'm glad to hear that. And, and Hey, you weathered a storm. Um, you know, Iowa state hit a lot of shots. They hit good shots. You know, they just second half, especially couldn't miss um, and, and made it close. But, but Texas, and, and like you said, Matt Coleman and garbage or not in garbage. I mean, in winning time, I should say um, is, is just 
an assassin. And I like the Duncan comparison. The only thing I'll say is he snarls the lip a little bit more, has a little more stank that he's smelling uh, than Tim Duncan, who kind of just you know trotted back down. Tim Duncan, my favorite player of all time, of course, uh, trotted back down and uh, and just said, yeah, that, that's business. But uh, I'm loving it, man. I, I love, love, love this team as much as I've probably loved a Texas basketball team again, like in two dec in a decade at least, decade and a half. Um, this is this is fun, man. There's a different guy. It feels like to root for each night and to really just love his game. Now, Kyle called it garbage time, not in the traditional sense of garbage time, but it means when Matt uh, when, when Matt Coleman goes full bully and puts the other team in a garbage can. That's why <laughs> Kyle called it garbage time, because he's picking these boys up and he's stuffing them in a garbage can like it's middle school uh, lunchtime, right? But <laughs> Texas, with that win, has its first 3-0 conference start since 2011, basically uh, 10 years. Yeah. Right? Like, since that happened. So, big time. I just realized it was 2021, not 2020. Whoops. But, yeah. So, 10 years since that happened. Um, Texas continues to be a really strong contender. Uh, up to number 14 in adjusted offense uh, via Ken Palm, which is huge. Uh, that's big. Massive. I mean, that, that that's... We knew this team could play good defense with the length and the speed, and they could get out and run. But their ability to execute in the half court, to make buckets when they need them in winning time, uh, again, almost in every single game, Villanova, they just came up short. But in every game, they've done it when they need it. And that's, that, to me, is huge because we know they can play defense. But that stat, that stat, to me, said, get excited, folks. If you're not on this bandwagon, A, what the heck are you doing? And B, get your butt on here. It's exciting times. So the next opportunity to get on the bandwagon is Saturday. Travel to Morgantown to take on number 14, West Virginia, before taking on number 18, Texas Tech. Big back-to-back set, and we'll have more about those games the next time we hit your podcast feed. All right, Gerald. So let's uh, let's kick it back away from the hardwood uh, in the burn orange lenses uh, now and take a look at some football news. Uh, we did have some. I, I don't know that there was news that he was transferring to anyone, but we did have a landing destination for Byron Vaughn's a guy we, uh, we we were rooting for and hoping would uh, you know be a big contributor at Texas, and I think we'll continue to root for him in his future, which will take him to the opposite Todd Orlando route to Utah State from Texas to Utah State. Any thoughts about uh, where Vaughn's landed? No, I think it's good for him. I, I Byron Vaughn's is a kid that I'm legitimately sad is leaving Texas. I like him. I think he's got a great personality. I think he's a big upside guy. Uh, but he, he kind of got passed on the depth chart. Um, in their, you know, depending on whether or not you follow his mom, um, there may or may not have been some dis- disparate opportunities, whatever. It's fine. But, like, I'm excited to see him and end. Go go ahead and be great, young man. Like it's not the day and age where you where going to Utah State means you're not ended up in the NFL. So I'm excited to see um, him flourish and, and have another opportunity to to succeed. Let's take it to the next level. Speaking of the NFL, we'll uh, we'll dive incredibly deep, but I do want to talk because the season wrapped up and a lot of Longhorns contributed across the league. I was taking a look at some of the season stats and and honestly, I I felt pretty good. I felt like there may have been a Pro Bowl snub or two that we talked about um, when those came out, but in looking at the the season stats, start at the top with our our Seattle Seahawks who uh, got the W this week will face the Rams coming up in the uh, the first round of the playoffs. Uh, That'll be Longhorn on Longhorn action with Malcolm Brown there, but Quandre Diggs had six tackles in this one um, got him up to 64 for the year. He is five interceptions also was a career high and he is playing in the pro bowl. Uh, well-deserved a guy who we thought uh, was snubbed for some uh, postseason hardware and uh, pro bowl action is Puna four, two tackles, one QB hit. He set career highs in just about every category this year, 40 tackles, 25 solo and two sacks. Just love Puna's game. And then Michael Dixon again, he's getting my longhorn of the week five punts for 53 average um he he finished the season second in yards per punt uh 49.6 just behind the leader uh led the league in punts inside the 20 32 uh inside the 20 52 percent of all of his punts uh inside the 20s career i also had a career best 44.1 uh net yards per punt but my favorite stat of this week is michael dixon got his first career tackle a first nfl tackle um, for Big Dixon Energy. So, uh, Gerald, what, what do you think? Should, should return men, defenses, players be scared of everything Dixon can do? We've seen him run. We've seen him kick. We've seen him tackle. Punt pass kick extraordinaire Mike Dixon. It's always problematic when your punter gets his, gets a tackle. Um, 
I'm always worried. Again, Texas has had punter injuries for two years now, so um, stay safe, Mike. Uh, it's a, it's a really good point. Um, yeah, the, you're, you're a precious gem. Don't 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 hurt yourself. Um, again, Pro Bowl snubs all around for the Seahawks. There for both those guys. Titans. Uh, Kenny Vaccaro put up seven tackles in his last one. They will uh, with the W take on the Saints in the first round of the playoffs. Vaccaro finished with 83 tackles, even though he missed a couple games. Pretty good year. Uh, one sack, five five pass breakups. Um, he is coming to the end of a contract year, I believe. So curious to see if he'll be on the Titans uh, next year. But uh, has the playoffs to, to prove he's he's got a lot left in the tank. Uh, Don Foreman didn't play, but I did want to call out. He had his first touchdown, we said, since 2018. Finished the year exactly with 100 yards. So good for him. Jeff Swain, a guy who didn't have any stats in this game, did play some, some run blocking. The, the Titans really lived and died. Everyone who watched that knows by Derrick Henry and Foreman in some games, but running the ball. Jeff Swaim was PFF's best run blocker on that team, so there's something to be said for a guy who he finished the year with nine catches, 83 yards, and a touchdown, um, but I think has earned uh, every dollar that he got from the Titans for uh, putting his helmet down and and, and lead uh, blocking those outside runs. So good for Jeff Swaim. Chiefs uh, got an L, but uh, they're second of the year, but still get a playoff by Okafor had a good uh, a good close of the year. He had some injuries, but finished the game with three or the year with three sacks. Did have two in his last two games, nine tackles on the year, but two sacks in his last two games. So hopefully that will translate for him into the playoffs. The Saints we mentioned earlier um, will be. Uh, taking on the, the Bears. I'm sorry, I said that one wrong. The Saints will be taking on the Bears in the first round of the playoffs. Malcolm Brown had three tackles and a tackle for the loss. Finished this year with 27 tackles in, in 13 games, one sack uh, on the season. Roach uh, missed six games this year, but he is hoping to play. He didn't play in this one in the playoffs. Um, LDH got called up. One target, one catch, 17 yards. Immediately got a field goal before halftime. Uh, remember this year he got his first career touchdown on three catches this season. So hoping for more for him. Maybe playoff action. We'll see. And then Gerald, your Dolphins are done for the year. They did take an L. Brandon Jones had two tackles. But 62 tackles on the year, 41 solo, one sack, one forced fumble. A lot of key blocks. A lot of just good plays all around. Feels like he could be in the running for some... Some rookie uh, awards or, or team, all rookie team potentially. So what's your thought on Jones and, and the Dolphins? Uh, the defense is is normally really good. I think um, it's upsetting how good the, the Bills looked against them on Sunday. They, abs- they, like, they absolutely blasted the Dolphins. But I think there's a bright future ahead. Uh, Miami has two first-round picks, which is very nice. So hopefully they can pick up a playmaker at receiver and then somebody to hopefully keep Tua from having to run for his life constantly. I love that. Uh, Adrian Phillips uh, had a good uh, year for the the Patriots. Didn't finish this game. The the Patriots got a got a W, but uh, didn't finish this game. Left injured with only one tackle, but that didn't stop him from setting a career high and a team high with 109 tackles this year. So really, really good year. 79 solo, one sack, two interceptions, four pass breakups. Got some some well earned praise from Belichick after the game. Just really talked about how good his instincts were, how smart of a player he was, great communicator. Um, really said he was valuable to the team, helped him uh, a lot, and uh, just understands the game. So really, really good praise from uh, from Bill Belichick at the end of the season for uh, Adrian Phillips. And then Chuck Omen, who might be my, my longhorn uh, of the week had it not been for Dixon's first tackle. Um, he had a good one to end the season on four tackles, one sack, one and a half tackles for loss, three QB hits, uh, career high four sacks on the year, 17 tackles, thought Chuck um, – was underused. I think he proved valuable when he did play. I'm hoping the Texans just kind of scrap everything they did this year and restart. Uh, don't waste Watson or Watt and, and don't waste Chuck. Get the guy out there. Let him help win some games. Kyle Shanahan season came to an end with a, another loss, six and 10, one and seven at home. Sorry for the, uh, the 49ers. The Cardinals uh, also took a loss this week. Jordan Hicks uh, left the game early. Also not uh, injured in this one, five tackles, one interception, one pass breakup again, finished the year with over a hundred tackles. Two Longhorns in that category, 119, four pass breakups, and that one INT on the season. Now the Rams, uh, we mentioned, be playing Seattle in the playoffs. Malcolm Brown got three carries, 20 yards. Did have a career high this year, 419 yards rushing, five touchdowns. Cam Akers kind of took over that running back at the end, but uh, I think there's still something left. I think I think he might have something to say in the playoffs, uh, Malcolm Brown, if he can uh, get some carries or get some touches out of the backfield. So a couple um, kind of news. Uh, Chris Boyd. Finished the year on the IR, uh, played nine games, 
You know, uh, he has two years remaining on his contract. Hope he can really secure that because Holton Hill was released. Didn't realize that was actually a couple weeks ago, but I, I missed that news. Holton Hill was released by the Vikings. Started two games, 24 tackles, uh, one sack, but uh, was released from. So no more double Longhorn up there. Denver, uh, to, uh, L this week, done for the year. Calvin Anderson started two games. Two special teams guys. Beck played 10 games on special teams. Locks played 15, three tackles on the year. Uh, Trey Hopkins for the Bengals. They are done. Uh, started all but one game was one of the few bright spots. Malik uh, Jefferson is a restricted free agent, really played mostly on special team for the Chargers. Just love to see that guy get it going. Uh, Cowboys are done. Uh, Connor Williams was the only Cowboy to start every game in offensive line. Seemed like they only had about 10 guys start every game anyways uh, for that team. For the Eagles, Gerald, this one surprised me. The Sound Ridge way we know, season ending injury early on, 11 tackles, one sack, two tackles for loss. I didn't realize when Marquise Goodwin opted out that the 30-year-old was actually opting out of playing for the Eagles. And the way the, that division looked this year, I get why anyone would opt out. But uh, you think there's still something left in the tank for Marquise? I mean, he's he's like a – he's an elite-level athlete. So I think he probably had does have – I mean, he's got like – and I'll just go ahead and say this. So with the, the troubles that he and his um, wife have had, you know, trying to conceive and all of that, like – be super careful, you know, that that there's nothing wrong. So I think that was definitely like a, hey, like I want to keep my family safe choice, and I'm totally, totally down for that. For sure. I, I'm rooting for him next year. I, again, just didn't realize it would involve uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, now for the Colts, I will not root for them. They have no Longhorns, and they waive Marcus Johnson. Actually got picked up, signed by the Titans to their playoff uh, roster. He had 14 catches for 255 and 11 appearances. He's going to make some some waves, uh, even if it's not in this playoffs next year on a, on a team. hope it's not the Colts, they didn't use him right, uh, and, and, and Philip Rivers was not the quarterback for him. Uh, Giants are also done. No Colt. He played in four games this year. We'll have the option to uh, – it was a one-year contract to either retire or find a new home next year. I think Colt's got a little something in the tank, don't you, Joe? I will never doubt Colt McCoy, ever, ever. He's always got something in the tank. 25-year backup. Just just play enough snaps, make your money, retire healthy. The, the ultimate business plan. Colts a genius, man. Um, and we'll end it with the Baltimore Ravens, Gerald. They got a victory, getting them into the playoffs with that matchup. Uh, I misspoke earlier, but with Tennessee, it's against the Ravens. Um, uh, Devin DuVernay had a 22-yard rush in this one. 20 catches for 201 yards, but I liked out of his 20, I think, six targets the whole year. He had 20 catches and eight first downs. Same as college. He knows how to move the chains. Four rushes for 70 yards on the year. Three first downs. So Devin DuVernay continues, even though it's a small sample size, uh, to move the chains. Had a nice kick return uh, average, 27.8, including that 93-yarder for a touchdown. Only four punt returns, but 46 yards, so another good average there. Uh, So dangerous in the special teams. Love to see him get more involved in the offense. Deshaun Elliott, two tackles. 80 tackles on the year, um, 51 solo, two and a half sacks, two forced fumbles, four pass breakups, a good year coming in to replace uh, Earl Thomas. And then Justin Tucker, of course, perfect. One field goal, five for five on extra points. Finished the year 26 for 29, all of his misses over 50 yards. Uh, 52 for 53 on PATs. I think we mentioned when it, when it happened. It's like a six-year streak that it broke for, for extra points. Um, but the best part was he went on Pat McAfee's, uh, I don't know if it's a podcast or whatever. Um, I saw the video of it, but uh, they asked him about Sark this week. And uh, obviously he, he responded the way that every Texas fan should, uh, sarcastically or seriously, just said, yeah, Texas is back, baby. Love it. If anybody is, if anybody is allowed to deem... Texas back. It's the man who, well, the man who ended the Aggies. That's right. Who, <laughs> who forever scoreboarded the Aggies, and who is, um, I don't know how many Longhorns can, without doubt or argument, claim to be the single best to ever play at their position. Tommy Nobis might have an argument, but uh, Justin Tucker, the best kicker of all time, he can say what he likes. Gerald, let's move it in to the final segment, closing segment. Godzillatron is crazy this week. Has Ben, if you still found some time to watch something on your giant screen. So not to step on your toes because we put these in the show notes, but I watched about two thirds of Soul and then my wife fell asleep. So we had to pause it. So I've got like a third of it left, Uh, but I'm loving what I've seen so far. Incredible film. Um, I'm also reading. I just started reading a book called The Accidental Creative, which is um, Mm. about basically creating systems and processes in your life to help you uh, cultivate creativity. And it's, there's, there's a lot more that can be said about it, but great book, especially if you work in a creative space, it's really about giving yourself room to be creative. It's really, really good. Um, 
And then that's that's really all I've had time for. Uh, I, I cleaned out yeah. my podcast feed a little bit, so I'm starting to rebuild that uh, and see what else is out there. I'm I'm uh, I'm big into Minka Kimes's podcast currently. Nice, nice. Uh, she's an incredible personality. I, I, that book sounds interesting. I want to hear once uh, you're all finished. We need to have a chat about that. That sounds uh, very interesting to me, actually. So I, as Gerald said, I did watch Soul. Uh, my wife and I, I think she immediately put me on it. She's like, "Hey, this thing." Um, is releasing tonight and I had heard of it seen a little bit but but wasn't super in on it um, or, or just wasn't super aware that it was released and, and, and streaming um, and it was great I thought it was a great movie Gerald as far as you've gotten have you gotten to the New York Knicks joke yes I laughed <laughs> so hard I couldn't breathe uh, my wife did not yeah. get it as deeply as I did but I absolutely loved correct it. Same, same in our house, and uh, that slayed me. Watch the movie; it's a great movie. Um, but for nothing else, just a, an incredible New York Knicks joke. The writer apparently is a suff- long-suffering New York Knicks fan, and the voice actually was Doris Burke herself. She she confirmed. So um, amazing! I thought it was a really good movie. Really deep, interesting, challenging topic to tackle, um, especially in a you know nominally kids film. So um, really good movie. I think everyone should watch it. Maybe not the single best Pixar film I've ever seen, but I still think it was, uh, it is certainly without a doubt worth watching. And then also we started a, a rewatch uh, of Breaking Bad. My wife hadn't seen it. She'd been putting it off for a long time. Um, one of my pantheon, like Mount Rushmore shows, uh, like The Wire, Sopranos, Breaking Bad, um, Mad Men are one are tier one. I put Friday Night Lights just below that, at like a notch, half notch below. There's some other really, really good shows or some good seasons of shows that I would put near there, but I think it's really uh, the mountaintop. So we're about halfway through. Um, I'm still waiting for her to fall in love with it. She's being a little hesitant, but uh, like the, the, the crystal blue persuasion that uh, that Walt churns out. I, I, I like to think eventually she'll get that addiction uh, to this show, but we'll, we'll see. I'll report back. This segment has now become uh, Gerald and I reporting on what our wives think of pop culture, but uh, but yeah, I love Breaking Bad, and I'm excited. This is my first ever full rewatch all the way through uh, that I've done, so you know, you have this just naturally goes right into Better Call Saul, so it's, it's going to be a good couple weeks, month for me. Controversial opinion. I finished Breaking Bad and I struggled to finish Breaking Bad just because I hated everybody so much. I could not, I could not yes. latch onto anybody, and I, I, that's I tough for me. It's really hard for me. So I, I finished it great. Like, and and I appreciate it for what it is. I appreciate the performances, the writing, everything that goes into it. But it's just like I hated watching these people. I hated it, and that that's kind of the point, I guess. I did not hate Mike Ehrmantraut, and I did not hate Saul. Those are my two favorite characters, and I I one hundred percent latch onto them. And that's why Better Call Saul is is um, maybe more rewatchable i don't know if that's that's a statement but a great show um maybe you know you, you could go back to that one or if you haven't seen it just, just start that one um but yeah i i see where you're going there with the main family and cast it is um it, it is it is it is tough to just really identify with them and, and feel that genuine sympathy if listeners have not seen it it is worth a start though because it's a great show it's thought-provoking it's deep it's well shot uh well acted uh it, it checks all the boxes speaking of checking all the boxes we are done for today cross them off thank you so much for tuning in again this week kyle where can the good folks find you on the internet oh you can follow me on twitter at kyle carbon you can also follow the texas pregamer on twitter at texas pregamer you can also catch me uh doing instagram lives on 10 12 you can see that on the instagram we're, we're, we're getting into the instagram space gerald I love it. You can follow me on Twitter at GH Goodrich. We, we do need to start doing some Instagram lives. Keep that pending. Uh, well, mm-hmm. Follow us on Instagram mm-hmm. and Facebook, the Longhorn Republic. Shoot us an email, longhornrepublicpod at gmail.com. I see your emails in the inbox. I owe you some responses. I apologize. My kid has not been sleeping. So maybe I'll take that overnight time to reply to all these emails. So if you get like a 3 a.m. text for me, I'm simply <laughs> rocking a baby who doesn't want to sleep. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook up. Welcome, long live Andrea.